Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Wall Street 18 had no clue what investment banking even was when he graduated from his non-target MBA program in 2010. Learn how he was able to pivot into the Big Four Transaction Advisory Services Group and then lateral to a middle market investment bank. What each transition was like and why he actually craved more hours. Enjoy. All right, Wall Street 18, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hey, thanks, Patrick. It's a pleasure to be on and uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Great. So if you could just give the listeners a short or brief summary of your background and then we'll kind of get into it. Sure. Um, I would say over the past about 10 years, I've been working in the financial services industry, attended a university in the New York metro area. Actually, have a little bit more of a unique background or career path. Uh, went right back and got my MBA. Subsequently, after uh, completing the four-year bachelor's program, and after that, it was a little bit tough trying to find a, a job in the real world. So, mm-hmm. I landed actually as a government. Um, bank examiner for a few years, then um, moved over to uh, one of the big four firms for a short stint. Uh, Subsequently, then after that, kind of got my break into the banking world and um, worked at two different banks for almost about four, four and a half years um, before moving to the buy side role that I'm currently in. Great. Thank you for that summary. So let's go all the way back to, well, not all the way back, but all the way back to undergrad <laughs> <laughs> and kind of go through the thought process. So when you were, when you were what, a sophomore, junior, what was the thought process of, hey, I'm going to get my MBA right after this? When did that decision happen and kind of who led you down that road? Because it sounds like when you graduated, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy sledding. Like, what? Absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, it was one of those where I think and some students fall into this, and I, I, I was definitely guilty of it. I, I did a lot on campus, but didn't start building my network or reaching out or looking at avenues of trying to land something after graduation. And a lot of a lot of students may feel the same. You know, you get kind of caught up in an economics and finance society group or something similar at the university. Or for for me, I was a little bit bigger into student government and other things and mm-hmm. um you know you're kind of enjoying yourself and maybe you don't have somebody that is two three four years a little bit older than you saying hey start thinking about this um for me it was extremely tough because i was graduating undergrad in 2010 mm-hmm. uh and just given the kind of environment then after kind of the 0809 crisis that makes a lot more sense. You just say, it, hey, it I'm going to stay another easy. year. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you could use school as another year to kind of reset and get the MBA. That was the right? exact thought process. Okay. That for, makes fortunately sense. for me, I, I, this made it a little bit easier. The university I attended, um, given some of those other kind of extracurricular activities I had done, had provided me with a graduate assistant position. Mm. So the MBA program was fully paid for by them. So uh, you can't really argue against that when someone else is going to pay for yeah you know a, a year or two more of schooling so do you regret um, kind of going so early do you wish you had kind of 
I actually do. I tell any student that is kind of in the same boat, let's say a junior comes to me and they're kind of debating next steps. Hey, I didn't land this summer internship between the junior and senior year. What do I do? Should I go get another degree? To me, the real life or real world experience of learning how to operate in a corporate setting is much more valuable at that age than mm-hmm. going to get an MBA and trying to determine a little bit more maybe those business development skills. Granted, the MBA program was great that I attended, and um, honestly, I did learn a lot of those, what I'm kind of referencing in business development skills or financial planning. Well, not really financial planning, but mm-hmm. kind of business modeling, and there was a capstone course, which you had to select a company that may be determining if they want to merge with their largest competitor or something like that. So it was a little bit more of, um, you know, steering away from accounting 101 and things you had done in undergrad. And then you're also building a connection with the MBA students as well. So no negatives about the MBA at all. Mm -hmm. But given the stage of my career or life, I definitely would have kind of entered into the job world first, as most do for that, yeah. maybe two to three, maybe even even five years. Yep. Yeah, I didn't go until 2000. I'd been out of school for, what was it, five years? I think it was good for me. I was sure. a little bit on the older side. But it was good because I had a pretty good perspective in terms of you know banking, private equity at that point. But, I, yeah, I, I can see how it's – I can see the temptation to stay and get another degree when the economy was so bad. Um, was it a full two years? So you were in school for like six years straight? I actually, it was it was also kind of attractive for this reason. Mm-hmm. And maybe not now looking back, I, I kind of play this game in my mind a little bit. Yeah. It was a year and a half. So I actually oh. shouldn't have kind of accelerated as much as I did. So mm-hmm. given I went right back to the university, I did my undergraduate degree at, they provided me or gave me a lot of the prerequisites or kind of carried over credits and uh, said I only needed to, if I took a full course load for three consecutive semesters, mm-hmm. you're, you're good. However, back to my real world or real job, trying to you know get to the next stage of your life and, hey, school's got to end at some point, you need to get a job. Most employers aren't looking to hire somebody in, in a, you know, January or something, right. especially in banking where as, you know, I'm did sure you most know, of the listeners Did you even know, know about banking then? Were you trying to recruit for investment banking at ERMB? No. And that was the kind of other, other thing. And that's definitely one of the bigger messages I would definitely want to tell listeners, even back to my junior or sophomore years. Um, and, and I did, let me preface this. I went to an extremely non-target. It does have a business school obviously given the MBA program and mm-hmm. um, even the undergraduate business school has alums that are maybe in financial services, but not in investment banking roles right. or, um, you know, they might be in more operational roles. You, you didn't have any on camp. Yeah. You didn't have any on campus visits or anything like that from bankers. Let's put no, it that way. <laughs> no. Okay. And, you know, some of that, I mean, again, I don't want to hark, on that too much because I'm a true believer if you you know don't if you want to do something bad enough you'll figure out the the method so when put yourself in that position when did you hear about banking this is like several years after your MBA when you were in the government type position or like this this other yeah I would say honestly when I started not really enjoying the the kind of work environment in that first role. I, mm-hmm. I was like, so a lot of the work we were doing, I mean, it was examining uh, community-sized banks. So banks that are $250 million in total asset size. So, you know, if you're in the middle of, let's just call it upstate New York, there's some little sleepy mom-and-pop bank yeah. that's, you know, writing everybody in a mortgage and some commercial real estate loans. And we would go into those, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of learning a little bit more about that banking, much different than investment banking, obviously, but there's more out there. And, you know, it was one of those um, through some of the work I'd actually even done after graduating. So um, 
this isn't really disclosing too much, but the CFO of KKR actually went to my university and through some events I had attended, he was able to kind of meet up with me and kind of give me a little bit more insight into, you know, Mm -hmm. that side of the world, um, which was, which was great. He was an accounting major at our school Mm -hmm. and it just kind of piqued my interest and things just started kind of, you know, Hey, well, what, what is, you know, investment banking really entail? How do I get into that? Do I know somebody in my network? Right. Um, and so had your network or professional, had your network, had you started getting a little more active about specifically networking or were you still kind of, I know you had probably done a little more with the MBA and everything. And once you'd graduated, but did you have to kind of start from scratch when you started to kind of say, Hey, I want to go a little bit more you know, maybe big four or to try and kind of lateral into bank. Was banking kind of the goal long-term? So is that why you went big four first? Absolutely. Okay. And I, I think once I'd gotten back to this, like I wasn't really aware of what the corporate environment was. You, you, you don't, you can read things and you're, yeah. you know, in college and you're saying, yeah, I can go work and sit behind a desk and talk with people and do a yeah. presentation or whatever else it entails. But for me, it was, uh, it, it wasn't the place for me and, and right each person and every listener on the you know to this podcast you know take that second and ask yourself do I what kind of role or what kind of career I want to build and for me I you know some people will hopefully laugh and even sometimes I do I didn't want to work a nine to five you know I kind of looked at other people saying well why are these guys working 80 hours a week what yeah. is that about yeah and do I want to do I want to work that eighty hours a week? And most of the listeners are probably like, yeah, no way. Um, but at least I'm challenging. You know, I think it was the underlying thing. I want to challenge myself, and I didn't feel challenged in that. I think that's you know, the bigger thing. Role. I think that's the bigger thing with the other career. A lot of the other finance careers. It's not that they want people want to go work a hundred hours a week. It's that investment banking, for all its bad rep it is a great platform to learn a lot in a very short period of time and potentially get to other places. So, um, as far as, you know, you know, other people, it's, it's, it's made for like go-getters who don't really are willing to put in that time and kind of go through that boot camp. But, okay. So you, you're at this job, you're doing kind of these analyses for this government job. It's something that's just, you're, you're bored. Um, It's 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 just mundane and you know what to expect. And so and then, when when did you, you know, start? You know, for me, that wasn't wasn't good for my personality. Go ahead. And so, Patrick, like, yeah, sorry. when did you start? Why did you think Big Four? Was it think something like, well, that's where I can land first, or what was the what was the thought process around that? Um, to be honest with you, a lot of the a lot of those types of firms, after I had ex, uh, surpassed or you know jumped the hurdle of being at that other career role or job for one year, had yeah. started reaching out to me Got it. directly from internal recruiting and. Got it. Um, it, honestly, I think everyone does this in their career every once in a while. I was definitely not happy. Mm-hmm. These guys seemed to want me, would pay pay more. Um, I would get exposure to a firm that is reputable. Um, you know, we all say this every once in a while, you know, career resume builder type of firm. Oh, I know that firm when somebody opens up a resume. Um, I wouldn't you know a, a word of kind of separate tangent piece of advice. Don't always do that because you may just be as miserable there as you were in the previous role. That wasn't the case for me, but I knew it was definitely going to allow me to kind of run a little bit more with, um, you know, back to that nine to five type of mindset. I could get away from that more at a big four. So obviously. you were buying yourself more hours, but more learning. <laughs> <laughs> basically that's a good a, way to put a, it. I like that. a little more pay but you are working harder um but you also had a lot more opportunities potentially um you're yeah, kind of yeah, setting and, your career and, up and a sense of fulfillment you know at the end yeah. of the day that previous role wasn't client facing and now you know again at, at the junior level it, even unfortunately in some of the investment banks depending on each group and MDs and things of that nature you might not really get that much client facing mm-hmm. opportunity, even though you're the one preparing the work. But um, yeah, I mean, there were some great opportunities. So when I was at those two big fours, I was able to 
we, we I was on a huge engagement with a. Do you mind saying what group it was in? in, in yeah, group? it was a transaction advisory group, yeah, which and is... we were working with. So that was a lot of the other reason too, because it was that group mm-hmm. versus an audit or something. And and again, you know, my career, I wanted to steer it that way and not into a big four audit or tax type of function. And those groups are fantastic, and you know, obviously. Yeah, and for the listeners, the, Transaction Advisory, TAS, is the group that if you are going to go big four and you eventually want to make an investment banking, TAS is known for being able to actually develop some sort of skill set that's relevant to banking. So if you are going to go big four, it's a good place to kind of start out if you can't get into banking right out of either your undergrad or MBA. So yeah, Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, that, and it, it exactly did that, whether it was a little bit of the networking and connections, the... As we were joking before, the uh, you know buying more hours to buy more knowledge, or <laughs> yeah. but it's true. I, I you know it puts it, honestly the first role I had it was tough for me because we were literally on quote unquote a clock, and if it was five thirty, I and I wasn't done or need a twenty more minutes to do what I needed to do, it was almost frowned upon to to stay and do that additional work. Yeah, it's some people enjoy that kind of uh structure was not for me especially not at the age of it was 22 23 or whatever you at were, the time you were ready to work <laughs> exactly yeah maybe, so tell, maybe if you're 62 but go yeah. <laughs> tell me why you jump so fast from your first big four to the second big four so you you get into transaction advisory services and you're there for under a year was it just title move because I've, I've heard there's a lot of um a lot of people jump between the big fours i don't think it's unheard of so it's not that it was such a surprising move but just um tell me a little bit about the thought process of like were you still then once you moved to one big four the they were recruiting you even heavier like what, what was the what was it like so one of the partners at the first big four that i was at actually left and took a lot of his business mm. and was in the process of taking it to another competitor big four mm-hmm. um ed pulled me aside and a little bit of what you just said, giving me a little bit more money, said, you know, if you stay here, there might not be a lot of work because our practice is kind of getting moved and mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of things here where you might now get staffed on something that we didn't promise you that you would have done whether if we had still been here. Okay. So, um, again, that was a very unexpected move. Got it. I had... At that time, I was, you know, okay, this move is going to be the ne- the next move I was making from that first big four was going to be to banking. And, right. you know, that was the plan or kind of. Um, and things didn't go thought. according to plan. <laughs> all of As your, usual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all of the, one of the main MDs of the partners was bringing all his business to another big four. And so you kind of jumped with him. And then from there. Tell me about when the process started of uh, banking recruiting and what was that like? Because I think for a lot of people, you know, you have your MBA, you know, are you going in as an analyst recruiting? How do you even get involved in that in that process? You know, they, a lot of these banks have the on-campus recruiting. They For the analysts, they fill their analyst class with these summer interns. So, like, how are you even getting yourself into those processes? Yeah, I mean, that was extremely difficult. And, and for me and most people... I'm sure still say this and it was the networking and the the break I got was through some of the networking I'd, I'd done because of the transaction advisory group at the first big four somebody had remembered me and you know mm-hmm. we had a you know very um, blunt conversation about my career goals and he was very respectful about that and you know wasn't gonna go chirp back to you know my partner or director or somebody else i was working with and they had kind of a little bit of a mini mass exodus um and brought me in for an interview to kind of stop gap um a bunch of analysts that had left so the bank so the bank so okay you said you had you got your break from the someone from the first big four so did that person from the first big four end up going to the bank you ended up working at I, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so they it, went it, there, and then they remembered more you. Senior at that Got first it. big four, who was kind of, oh, hey, you know, we're building out a little bit of a practice here, mm-hmm. and that was that first big four. 
the transaction advisory kind of niche group was kind of getting split up. So I think he saw that as his exit. And um, again, I've, when Patrick and I have spoken in the past, and it's definitely something I would say for listeners, make sure you foster that network. And it was something when Patrick and I first spoke, and I, I, I know it, it might sound silly, and it's not, you know, to build a network and say, I met John Smith on January 1st <laughs> of 2019, and yeah, he works at BlackRock or Blackstone or Goldman Sachs, and then you let that die. Because then what did that really do for you? So for me, you know, it was, hey, I'm in Midtown. Do you have 15 minutes to grab a coffee? Uh, would love to hear what you're doing. Saw you moved over here. That's really interesting. Do you mind? You know, things like that. I mean, don't go and ask somebody for coffee every month. But, yeah. you know, try try to understand where the people that you met in your career, especially during the first few years that are going mm-hmm. and make sure you stay close with them because the amount of times, even in the roles that we'll subsequently talk about, I'm sure a little bit later in the mm-hmm. podcast, I, it's crazy the paths and how they cross. And again, this isn't rocket science or something new that I'm saying, but the street is a small place mm-hmm. where um, you, you undoubtedly will come into contact with people again and, um, with that being said, make sure you uh, leave a good impression with those people and build a strong reputation. Or how do you do a, a that? How, how, what do you think the easiest way to, to make them like you or be impressed? What if people are a little more awkward and they're a little bit I, less social? What would you I would always from? say for me, it's knowing my audience. So, right, somebody, you know, I'm saying go meet up with John Smith now that you met know whatever 18 months ago for coffee mm-hmm. um maybe coffee isn't the right mode of communication with that person mm-hmm. maybe it's a maybe this guy <clears throat> is an energy banker what did you read about in that market hey i saw this this is really interesting do you have a couple of minutes to jump on the phone and chat about that so those types of things which mm-hmm. i'm sure a bunch of listeners probably do um you know, may set you apart. Wow, this guy, this kid who's, you know, 25 or whatever, mm-hmm. he reached out to me and saw this in the news and knows I work at this firm that, you know, was advising on that or you right. know, came out with that opinion. It doesn't, and even if, you know, again, maybe that goes unnoticed, but don't be afraid to do that. Um, I've had, you know, people reach out to me. Then they probably saying, "Um, oh, all right." For every ten guys or twenty guys I reach out to on LinkedIn or wherever else, maybe I get one hit. But sometimes is that one hit maybe all that it takes right. to you know build something. And again, four, five, seven, twenty years down the line, you don't know when that might come back to help you. So tell me, you're. At the big, you're at the first big four, the second big four. You're now what? Four years out of school, almost. So and with your MBA, and now you have to go start as an analyst. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I was able to negotiate with them, which was helpful. Tell me about um, that. Tell me about that a little bit. Like, it, was that a tough negotiation? Were you nervous negotiating because you were worried they were going to pull the offer? Or what was the? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I did not feel like I do today about. Uh, negotiating mm-hmm. salary start so, dates. How would you go you know, about just, it? How'd you just, go I'll, about I'll, it? I'll come in tomorrow at you know five a.m. if you need me. And and right. looking back, you know nobody is really feeling that way on the other side, whether it's an HR director mm-hmm. or anyone. Um, for me, I did kind of hark back on the fact that I'm an MBA, and you know their argument back was, well, you have no actual direct investment banking experience, so. I was able to negotiate with them that I would start as a third year analyst with kind of a, a stubby type of year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and with that in mind, it definitely eased me, but I still needed to come in geared up, ready to go, you know, as many kind of senior guys call these, you know, kind of openings like, I need you to be plug and play. Yeah. So, and we didn't really talk about it, but for, were you pulling in play, or were you like drinking from a fire hose and almost drowning? Um, <laughs> I would say months. I would say the latter. <laughs> Even though I was definitely trying to do what 
I'm sure a bunch of listeners do, you know, the Wall Street prep and, mm-hmm. you know, ask anybody I could like, hey, how do you model out this? What is, you know, it's silly stuff like that. Um, I think, you know, obviously PowerPoint and Excel skills are something every analyst is you know, trying yep. to build as quickly as possible, whether that's even in their collegiate. You don't feel or... like your work at uh, the Big Four was enough to oh, kind of get you ready, oh, or a I little mean, bit? I would say there were general skills, but yeah, the again back to the corporate environment of investment banking mm-hmm. versus you know. So for me, it was like I guess I almost had an easing in period into that. It was like okay, I had this kind of more nine to five job, Big Four. Yeah, longer hours, but it's not like somebody might call you up on a week. I mean, there is, but it's not like have your phone and be attached to your email at every given moment of like every given is. day. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, tell, so tell me how that progressed. So they promoted you um, when you kind of made that move um, to um, associate. And then tell me about a, little bit, a little bit about that. Was that expected? Was that... Kind of a surprise. Yeah, and, and and I mean, they gave me so right during that first couple, three to six months, just because of the time I had entered. Others were going through their annual reviews, so I said, you know, treat me as best you can, like the the others, and kind of get me on the same cycle, obviously, so that at least I can understand what is lacking. Um, right. You know, to be honest, it was all new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a different, inv- you know, like I'm saying, the different work. And tell culture. me about, tell me about the first meeting you walk in and they give you your first bonus. What was that like? Um, that was. <laughs> Can you tell me I mean, what was, was it like? A shock? Was it like the amount surprising? I know it was just a, probably a stub, but you know. Com- com- oh, I mean, it was something you know that made I guess all of the kind of crazy long couple of you know three plus three and a half years really worth it, especially. I mean, you kind of have a ballpark and you have numbers in mind given exactly what you guys kind of publish every year with, yep. you know, the numbers in mind and things like that. And Was it somewhat um, in line? Like, did, was your stub like a $30,000 stub or a $50,000 Yeah, pretty much. It, yeah. Was, it, it was a little bit higher than that. So That's great. And, yeah. you know, for me coming from where I was just two, even two years prior, yeah. um, it was, it, it, it made everything feel you know it was kind of like a I, I could take a little bit of a deep breath and kind of exhale and say okay this this is you know where i want to be and right. it, it was um you know a positive review obviously there were things that i still needed to do as you were kind of referencing or had asked you know the move from analyst to associate is it, you have to kind of morph into something else right. undoubtedly because you need to kind of um, take on, obviously, or, you know, as I like to even say, a, a second-year associate should already be kind of acting as, like, a VP. Did um, you feel like you were ready for that transition, given that you had kind of a shortened analyst stint, or did you feel like, you know... The the, the, the actual leadership part, yeah, um, mm-hmm. because of some of the work I had done in the big four. Right. Um, and You had been managing some people there already? Yeah, yeah. And, and that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's different. So I don't want to say managing people at a big four is the same as managing right. people at a bank. It's it's not. Um, however, a lot of what I needed to get up to speed on was still some of the modeling skills. And it's one thing to build a model and do things kind of on your own and yeah. just do it for low stakes quote fun. But yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you know that model is, you know, going to people that, you know, are quote unquote paying you or, you know, a client or, yeah. you know, it's a buy side mo- model or a sell side model for, let me, let me say a sell side model, you know, like, and it's out there. Um, it you know it's a different you're gonna feel a little bit different undoubtedly i would say more stress yeah for sure so you were there for a good three plus years um tell me about you know so tell me about the thought process of potentially you know were you thinking of lateraling for a while was it something where 
you thought, hey, this isn't going well, or were you just starting to get hit up a lot by other recruiters again? It was, um, I would say, twofold. Mm-hmm. Other recruiters had started hitting me up, um, given the group I was in. Okay. Um, it seemed, and it still does seem like, over even the past couple of months, there's been a lot of movement from the MD level in the sector or group I worked worked in, um, which then, you know, Oh, we just hired an MD. We got to hire, you know, five juniors. Yeah. Yep. So there was a little bit of that. And the other kind of feeling it was, I hate to say it. It wasn't, some people have left our bank or our group Mm -hmm. and I was feeling a little less challenged around like year three. And then saying to myself, okay, what are the VPs doing and is that good? Is that something I want to be in right. a year right? or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess like a year or so at that point. Mm-hmm. And there were other opportunities out there. And some of the other opportunities, I mean, every listener who's in banking is going to jump from a smaller, less elite bank i won't you know yeah, you broke up for a second every every listener out there is probably gonna say this as well if you broke up for more, a second there can you go back you're saying every listener would probably jump to more elite bank and then you cut out oh sure yeah. i would say every listener definitely is thinking you know if a more elite bank yeah comes calling you're gonna listen at yeah. least um and that was becoming the case for me um the issue i guess for me was i i had gone back and forth on this i could stay to vp and then try to lateral and um or lateral now and then hopefully get you know a vp promotion subsequently really fast right after right um so so for me looking back um the move i made after that three and a half years of that which is called Bank A. Yeah. Um, actually catapulted me a lot further than I had anticipated. Got it. So, like, moving banks is actually a really good career move in terms of just promotion and all that stuff. Like, you became just by default more senior at the new place. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, and I. Was so you didn't. You didn't regret. That. You didn't regret not waiting till you were VP. You felt like you got enough lever. You got enough leverage and a big enough boost for to, to make the jump and was that was that kind of negotiated up front or is it something that that surprised you um it was more of the structure of the group and and right i went through i mean that interview to speak a little bit about that yeah and let's just talk about some that. of that as well was mm-hmm. <laughs> that was actually probably the most rigorous interview um but all the interviewers or in the the VPs and above that were interviewing me said, we are expecting you to not, you know, come in here as, you know, just an associate type of, you know, uh, banker, Um, you know, start floating up. And a lot of these banks do this. They don't want to like promote, you know, like I was an associate. They're not going to give me a VP before seeing me as an associate. And, multiple external recruiters had explained that to me. So I I feel that may be the norm or at least was for me. Um, I could be wrong. You know, I'm sure there are people that, you know, could be a third year associate. Were you interviewing with several several banks at this stage? Um, Were you, how are you kind of evaluating the different opportunities besides brand Uh, name and all that's in pay and, you know, all that, which I'm sure pay is pretty standard across all of them. Yeah. I mean, the pay was, was right there. It was definitely, honestly, I tried to feel out who I was actually going to work for. And I I thought to myself, okay, what kind of deal flow? And I'm sure most listeners would appreciate that. You're going to want to move to somewhere that has momentum and somewhere where, you know, quote unquote, maybe you're reading about them in the wall street journal or some, sti- some stability on the senior ranks, maybe for that specific group, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and that interview, them interviewing me gave that more credibility than just like, Oh, I'm going to 
bank be now. Um, it was the caliber of the people that were interviewing me and mm -hmm. the manner in which they were wanting to invest in me and my future career yep. um, as well as that deal flow. Um, because I, some of the other banks I had gone into, they were just looking to fill, hey, we need, I and, need somebody to do some models and pitch yeah. books and like do some other stuff. And yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. I mean, it was less <laughs> about, it was less about your career growth and all that stuff. It was more about just filling a, filling a seat an associate. Yeah. Seat. Got it. Okay. That's fair. Was that more, was that at like the bulge brackets? Was that at the, like the elite boutiques? What were middle market firms? What would you say in terms of, was there um, a difference across the places you interviewed? I don't know if there was an actual trend per se, which is yeah. funny to now that you ask that question. I never really thought about it in that sense. Um, I always like to say, like I, I don't work in. I'm not in the healthcare group at, and never have done healthcare. But for, yeah. you know, the healthcare group might be much different than the tech or M and A or Levfin and yeah. at each bank, right? Because they're almost were. I mean, yes, fine. You know, the product groups, you know, talk to the coverage groups and whatever, and mm -hmm. that's a whole other story. But, um, you know, each of them are running or operating probably dependent on the group head or maybe a few more senior MDs and or, you know, a really good BP or something like that when you're more junior that, you know, is just crushing it or wanting to actually take some time to show you how to do something instead of just getting on you because you didn't turn comments or build the model correctly. Let's, let's talk about something. that. Tell me about the hours. So you kind of came in, let's talk about bank a first when you first started, were you sure as an analyst, it sounds like it was pretty brutal. Um, it was definitely a ratchet up for sure. And, 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 you know, I think about this and I would hope, you know, any of the younger listeners that are just about to enter banking or any of them that are in, you know, their final years of college and thinking about analyst banking or wanting to get into investment banking programs right out of, um, you know, senior year and do yep. the internship and all that. Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, think of it long term. And, and again, fine. We, I, I do like the joke we kind of made earlier. We are buying hours to buy knowledge. It, mm -hmm. It's, it's so true. And I was able to see that night and day and say, look, um, and I made the joke, you know, I'm not 62, so I don't want to be, you know, Working. coming home at six <laughs> o'clock or whatever. Yeah. Um, not yet, you know, and again, some people may want that, but most people who go into our, this field or industry or kind of career know that's not going to be the case. Um, but for me at, at the end of the day too, like I started to learn how to manage people and manage the time mm -hmm. so that it worked well for me. And that's where, when I moved into the associate years, it wasn't as, as tough because so like, were I you in the office like 70 hours a week at that point? Um, 80? Were yeah, still probably it? 80. Yeah. Um, and analysts, you were hitting 90 sometimes hundred. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and again, it's, it fluctuates. Like, yeah, it's, up you know, Patrick and I are talking like the week right now before Labor Day. So, yeah. Or, you know, the week around Christmas. And, you know, it depends. You know, some bankers want to close deals or get things done around those kind of holidays. But um, that bank A actually was less intense, mm -hmm. um, which actually, as I started getting further down my career at that bank, mm -hmm. it it, I, I started questioning, hey, is this actually hindering my growth? Um, which may sound funny. Um, because, like I'm only working 70 to 80 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> like but this is, it was a lot of um, chasing after things and then realizing, okay, well, is this group now still performing as well as I think they should be? And um, where are they, or where are they kind of positioning themselves in the market? Is that something I want to focus on? Right. Um, each bank is... You know, some banks are purely M&A shops or more known for that or LBO shops or, you know, big uh, debt guy, whatever it is. You got to kind of think about that as well. And that was right. kind of the next step. And again, um, I'll use, I guess, the analogy of like I built the network and I fostered the network while I'm building the career. Let me not just like, oh, OK, I got here. Great. Yeah. You know, and it was OK. I got here. Let me make the most of the time. 
Yeah. Um, learn as much as I can. And then, um, right. not to sound corny, but you got to almost sit back and reflect and say, okay, if I'm going to be here in five years, is that something I want? Is that something that's good for me and my career? Is Am I enjoying it here? Um, that makes sense. <laughs> I only laugh because, you know, most days, unfortunately, you're not super enjoying banking if it's, you know, you're getting staffed on a million deals or, you know, working those long hours. Well, tell, but, me, tell me about um, that second bank a little bit. So, like, the transition. So, was, was it even hard? It was a kind of a more kind of a in, intense environment. It seemed I would say the group just ran way ran more lean. Okay. Lean and okay. which is good and bad, right? Because yeah. um, you're not you're not saying, well, oh, you know, this guy did this. It's no, you're working on a small deal team and you got to work well together. And that just taught me different skills, skills I probably already had learned a decent amount about. Um, but it put me into a new position to kind of exactly like I was saying, accelerate my career a little bit more and understand what it took. So yeah, at this point, know, at looking at your background, at this point I was thinking, okay, he's a career banker. So tell me, <laughs> <laughs> tell me what happened. Like I say, you know, you went, you did all these moves to kind of get into banking. You got promoted and you made one lateral move again. Um, and you're kind of, it sounds like you were, from what you told me on that bank B, you were doing kind of more senior stuff. So was it a point where you were like, hey, I don't want to do this for my career? Or was it something where just a better opportunity came along? And tell me a little bit about that. It would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was um, an opportunity I actually hadn't, know nothing about um mm -hmm. as kind of funny and odd as that may sound to to you and most of the listeners it's um a unique opportunity within a buy side role okay. and it was something actually that the bank that b that i was working at currently was trying to offer more as a product to private equity firms mm -hmm. to um utilize as a different form of raising capital, let's Got say. Um, okay. As discreet as all that can be. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, it was a different opportunity. It sounded ex interesting, exciting, small team, yeah. right? And so you decided you were done with banking, or at least for now. I, yeah, and that's the funny thing um, it, that you say that. Because even sometimes I think to myself, you can, uh, I mean, you can make a great career out of banking. Mm -hmm. Um and you you may not work great hours even at super senior levels, um, you know, given the clients and trying to turn things around and, and trying to generate business. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, however, this opportunity, which is a kind of solely principal investment slash not super senior, but um, right below the most senior guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, Patrick, a really small team. So again, taking that kind of small team perspective or group or, um, experience I had at bank B and just carrying that forward and now being on the buy side and being able to say, well, okay, we don't, we don't like that. Yep. And walking away instead of as anyone who's in banking and, you know, preparing any kind of pitch book and thrown in, you know, strips to the back and stuff like that when they go meet with a, you know, a PE or a sponsor or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, no, no, you know, so <laughs> being on that side of the table, it, you know, it felt a little bit better and actually being able to kind of use your brain a little bit different and evaluate and um, as Patrick and I, you know, have spoken about off offline off this podcast it's still a very highly due diligence type of role mm -hmm. um but in this sense just on the other side of the table as anyone who's kind of running a sell side process knows you know um i'm now the one going into the data room and asking for the additional due diligence request items and you're the one challenging and, the bankers saying are you sure this is accurate yep. <laughs> can you get like, me this how, breakdown yeah exactly and look i think for most of the listeners and most of the bankers out there that are analysts and associates they're wanting to do the same um that bank b was a big 
kind of, uh, I guess, feeder firm for certain PE shops mm -hmm. or other buy side shops. But I'd assume, I'd assume most most of the people that jumped were at the analyst level, correct? It wasn't a lot of assumptions. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was where – that's a great point. I'm glad you said that because it kind of will allow me to say this. This opportunity was one where it wasn't like I'm doing it. And I thought I was going to do it right away, but I took that step back and said to myself, if I don't take this buy side role now and get a VP promotion in X amount of months, I'm never going to probably, never is a very strong word, but it Likely was, never. <laughs> and, yeah. we, and you know that given, you know, the yeah. role you've played and what you've seen over the, you know, last 10, 15 years now in right. the market. Um even just from a re external recruiters, you're gonna be like, no, no, could because yeah. you're not in that position to perform those kind of due diligence roles anymore. You've morphed into a, a banker. You're too senior uh, yeah. at that role. Yeah, yeah, you're too senior. You're too senior. You're the one going out. And I'm surprised you weren't seen as too senior. Maybe you just humbled yourself enough. <laughs> I, you know, and again, I would say, and or the network, little, and or the network, you know, I, yeah. yeah. Or, um, but I appreciate you saying that. But I think, again, it was one of those where there still is that little bit of curiosity for me, at least at this my age and also the time in my career to kind of be the guy um, digging deeper. And this is something else that was extremely important after some of the conversations I had with the individuals I'm working with now. Um, Seeing them and understanding I could learn, I don't know if it's networking skills, but they're the ones that are generating the ideas, but they're generating those ideas because they were former bankers or one of them was a former CEO of a fairly large company. Other, you know, they've, they've done so many other things where it was you were going to be okay, directly I'm, under I'm them. almost getting yeah. three mentors now that right. all have done a little bit of different things so it was a little bit more of the soft skills that I was also going to gain or, or learn um, when look you could learn from an MD who's at any bold bracket or great middle market or wherever else you're at and I'm sure they're you know extremely knowledgeable but they might not be as entrepreneurial as these guys right. have been for me and appeared during our kind of preliminary interviewing type discussions we had. What did they want to know from you? Like, was it pay? It was, was it a pay cut when you jumped from a associate? You're a pretty senior associate. I'm assuming you're making at least 300 all in or around 250. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. And so that's pretty good. That's, that's tough to walk away from. <laughs> well, so this is where, when we were talking way, 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 earlier on the on the podcast mm -hmm. i now knew okay um they came after me yeah. um let me negotiate right um so they provided me with some let's just call them sweeteners because of the structure of the group or what i'm doing yep. um and also pretty much just flat out asked me what my base salary was plus bonus and mm -hmm. said whatever that is will match that in a salary oh, wow. plus this additional kind of as that's I was saying, great sweeteners so that's amazing with upside potential based on what else we do <laughs> i'll leave it at that that's great so it, 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 it so you you was, weren't even taking a pay cut in fact your your base exploded because correct. you so you're not getting the bonus but who cares it's it's not guaranteed, guaranteed, but well, oh, yeah, not guaranteed. Yeah. Nothing's guaranteed, but it's it's much more guaranteed because you're getting it. You're collecting it every two weeks or whatever, every month, whatever you're paid on. But um, that's that's great that you're able to make that move and not take that that financial hit. So no, yeah. yeah, it was um, amazing. Again, to your point, when we when I was kind of thinking, okay, buy side. If I do the VP, mm, you know, and then they said this, <laughs> yeah. it it that made it okay. All right twist my arm kind of thing like you know where where do i sign on the dotted line that's great that's great so before we wrap up everything anything any piece of advice you'd give to your younger self now like say when you were back at your non-target or <laughs> anything <laughs> anything that you you know now that you've kind of had a little bit of a winding road big four two you know two big fours two banks and now on the buy side what would you say kind of looking back what would you 
What would be the main piece of advice you'd give? I would say you know, we've mentioned this, and it's a big thing for anybody. Just be a go-getter. Don't. And this is not again. I'm not saying anything that no one else has probably said before, but mm-hmm. it's that um, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Go reach out to somebody if it falls, you know, or go that extra mile. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time, early, early in my career, because again, the first role I had wasn't really putting me in a position to like work my ass off and go crazy, but. Yeah do that anyway do something else to supplement that whether it's whatever if it's wall street prep or you know i always joke like everybody watches netflix or hey i want to watch you know a yeah. peaky blinders episode or something <laughs> fine it's 60 minutes like yeah great whatever watch one the next one you were gonna watch go do something for your career if you are that hungry and you want to do that and i don't think i was doing that enough or really maybe even at all especially in my collegiate years yeah um and then something clicked it was whoa look at all this out there somebody's you know um yeah you know working at xyz bank advise you know doing something cool what is that about yeah you started kind of it's interesting you were kind of a late bloomer it sounds like but it's it sounds like (laughs) it's true done well it's true it's never too late to 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 start i would also want to make you know listeners aware of that um, I've had, you know, guys from all types of backgrounds now reach out to me just mm-hmm. on LinkedIn or alums saying like, hey, I did this for a couple of years. And look, if you're willing to make those kind of sacrifices, like I, you know, we maybe didn't call them that when we were chatting about that. Period. Yeah. Yep, you broke up there for a minute. Sorry, oh, you broke up um, for a second. I if you're saying, willing to make those sacrifices, you're saying. Yeah, I was willing to make those sacrifices. Like we hadn't really actually called them that when we were chatting about my entry into banking, but I yeah. knew, hey, this is gonna kind of suck once I go from <laughs> a big four to a bank because it's just gonna be like a slap in the face, drinking from a fire hose. But um, be aware, you know, you're gonna have to do that, and then getting yourself in that mind, those good mindsets to, um, you know, once the door opens, be ready to run through it. Yeah. Um, you know, don't don't be casual at go for what you want, you know. That's so great. all of that, that wasn't really a short answer to your <laughs> no, question. But but, um, you know, you, you you only have one kind of shot to do some things in life and rather say, hey, I tried and bust my ass trying to get into banking or private equity or wherever else you kind of want to, you know, explore in life and just just go and, and do it and again don't don't be sorry if you ruffle a couple you know feathers or upset somebody along the way because there's somebody else out there that might listen to your story and help you out that's great great advice thanks for uh, thanks for sharing and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com and until next time 